And then all of a sudden, the back door pops off. Boom, so I jump. I'm like, oh, shit, who is this? This is when he was wearing the mask. He had the kid. Oh, shit. Mike, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, Shia ain't Wu-Tang. He was like, oh, I love you guys' music. Here it comes. You're listening to Fresh Era, where we tell stories from the legends of the golden era of hip-hop. Each episode, we bring you stories from the pioneers themselves as we dive deep into their lives, their struggles, and what it was like to be a part of the most popular form of music before it was mainstream. I'm your host, Craig Smith. On today's episode, we get into the story of an MC who inspired a generation of kids in the 90s as a kid himself. I'm talking about Shaheen. By age 14, he had an album and a single on the Billboard charts. He received cosigns from Big Daddy Kane and The RZA, and he helped usher in a new era. He represented a side of life that many people had never seen before. He was young, talented, and rugged. While many other kid rappers at the time were manufactured by producers and record executives with their gimmicks defined and their songs written for them, in comes Shaheem the Rugged Child, giving you first-hand stories of mischief, crime, and danger from his own world as a youth on Staten Island. He took that opportunity and turned it into a career in music and on the screen. Shaheem Donnell Franklin. Uh, I was born in Staten Island, New York. When I was young, I was, I, was, I was sick as a kid. I was born early, uh, premature. My parents was teenagers when they had me, so my mother had me and my dad went to prison. That's the story, you know what I'm saying? That's my story, that's a lot of rugged child story. The late 70s when Shaheen was born was the beginning of an incarceration explosion as the prison populations would rapidly increase, coinciding with the war on drugs and the government weaponized crack epidemic. This resulted in many kids, just like Shaheen, growing up without fathers. Since his parents were so young, he was primarily raised by his grandparents. It was three generations in one household. So you had my grandparents, then you had my mother and her sisters and their, and then you had all of us, the kids. They was on public assistance. My grandparents was poor, like, you know what I mean? My grandfather, he was a mechanic. He did odd jobs and things like that. But for the most part, you know, they were struggling and, you know, but it never stopped them from throwing barbecues and feeding people and the neighbors and the people around. And with so many people around, the sights and sounds of his home gave Shaheem a lot of influences. Back then, it, it was a mixture because my grandparents, they listened to James Brown, Sam Cooke, and then my cousins that's older than me, they was into tagging up and, and hip hop. So that's how I started to see my cousins would come in with the Adidas and flat laces and that got me interested in hip hop watching them. So the minute they would leave out, I'll be listening to the radio or playing the tapes that they would have. Because back then, the only way you had a tape, you had to stay up. I remember being having to stay up to one o'clock in the morning just to press record and just, that was grueling. That was putting in that work to hear hip hop. And that's the things we had to do to even hear it, to hear it. Thank you, Tanya. 9847 Kiss that film with Fox Rocks the Box with Red Alert and Sammy B. Or the first time discovering video music box. Welcome to New York's hottest video show, Video Music Box. What's happening? This is your VJ Ralph McDaniels. I remember the first time somebody said you had to turn the channel to you and find 31. I thought I discovered the universe. You know what I'm saying? I was so hyped and I, you know, and had to, you had to get an antenna and you had to find, you had to put in work to even enjoy this crap. This is when he started to see himself in this world of hip hop with acts like Punch DMC. Become an MC and Orange became amazed at me. So Larry put 
You know what I mean? What? I wanted a hat. I wanted the glasses. I wanted run. I thought I was run who's house run. Like I wanted to be run DMC, and then it's the movies, the Crush Groove, and the Fat Boys, and then came Big Daddy Kane and Coogee Rap. That's when I started to want it, wanting to do it. And that's when it all started. Right out the gate, Shaheem wanted to be a rapper. And at a young age, he started looking for opportunities to learn more and become a part of hip hop culture. Fortunately for him, he was in the right place, growing up at the right time, around the right people. person who is one of my good friends, and we're the same age as a guy by the name of uh, Ninth Prince. Me and him would write our raps together as kids, discovering hip-hop together. And he's like, well, my brother got turned to He was like, what? Turns out, Ninth Prince's older brother wasn't just some guy. His older brother is the RZA. The RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. When they out, guess who was up in there messing around? Me and him. That means that Shaheem and Ninth Prince were in the environment watching as RZA, who at the time was calling himself Prince Rakim, crafted what would eventually become the foundation for the Wu-Tang Clan's success. At the same time, he was getting help learning lyrics and developing a more hip-hop style. And uh, my cousin, I used to beg her to write rhymes down for me because I was trying to learn how to write the rhyme. So, and she used to always knew all the words, like the self-destruction. So I said, I used to beg her, please write the words down, please. I was an annoying kid like that, please be. She was older than me, but you know, she started to have to defend for herself because she had got put in foster care. So she would like steal and stuff like that. So then she would take me, like come on and just hook me up and get me clothes and stuff like that. Looking the part and knowing how to rap made him a force in Staten Island, even though he was only- Eight, nine years old, we, we, we write, we, at this time, we cut in school to go to other schools to battle kids to rap. So we talking fifth grade, sixth grade, we on corners, two o'clock in the morning, rapping with older guys. I was a representation of them. So when I showed up around older dudes rapping, I'm rapping that same story, but just from my eyes. Think about how crazy it was that this elementary school kid was out at night with grown-ups rapping. In order to understand that, right, we had, we had to step outside of hip hop. We had to go to where I'm from. And in my neighborhood, it's not abnormal for someone of that age to be outside in front of the building, especially in those times. The late 80s, a young kid could be outside and everybody's gonna look after him. It wasn't a thing of, you know, he might get snatched or something like that. Everybody was like, yo, all right, that's such and such, we all know him. And rapping in Staten Island was more for the love of the culture than fame. Being from where I'm from, Staten Island, New York, we're, we're part of the New York City, but we're like the forgotten borough, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's always Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Oh man, Harlem, yeah, Long Island, you know what I mean, Staten Island. So we was always, that forced us to be comfortable with ourselves. And, and you know what I'm saying? So that's what it was. Our own style was our own style. We talked the way we talked. We did what we did. And that was different. And that's why it resonated, you know, with the world. All along, he was getting familiar with how music was made and how he could be an MC on records and on stage. Like many MCs, this started with talent shows. One talent show I did, it was used to, like it was on Staten Island. It was in um, West Brighton. They used to have these um, talent shows, and it was just, I performed that. And I did a song. My song was called "That's Why the Girls Love Shaheen," and that was my first hit. You know what I mean? That was my real hit on Staten Island. It was a hit. 
when I would perform that at the talent shows, people knew that. So Shaheem hadn't even hit middle school and he knew without a shadow of a doubt where he was meant to go. He wanted to be a rap star and take it to the highest heights. He knew he was dope, even as he was usually the only kid rhyming around the adults. Coming up, Shaheem gets a front row seat to Wu-Tang's success and releases his own debut album as a minor on a major label. Then, hip-hop history is made after Shaheem is embraced by the one and only Big Daddy Kane. Stay tuned. Hey, Chub Rock here. Thanks for tuning in to Fresh Era. Did you know that the guys over at Stupid Fly are doing this strictly out of love for 90s hip-hop culture? They may make it sound easy, but tons of time and money was... Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Spent on creating, writing, mixing these episodes. If you like what you hear, please do me a favor. Go to stupid-fly.com and pick up some merch to show your support. Then follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Stupid Fly Media. Come and be part of our community of golden era gladiators. Once again, that's stupid-fly.com. Now head over there and treat them right. Before the break, Shaheen wasn't even in middle school when he started on his journey of becoming a rapper. Look, I'm telling you, it was so important as a kid. I'm talking, I'm young, I'm eight, nine, ten years old. Like, I'm staying up. I got school in the morning. He was performing at talent shows and experimenting with equipment at his friend Ninth Prince's house which was the home to Prince Rakim, better known as the RZA. It wasn't until they seen the seriousness of myself that they said, oh, okay, now the little guys can come in the room with the big guys. RZA at this point had made a name for himself as Prince Rakim with his single, Ooh, I Love You, Rakim. I just back, I'll keep them under my wing. Put them in a posse and let them all sing. Sing, sing. Oh, we love you, Rakim. Do you? I used to hang out with RZA and go to uh, Rakim and go to Tommy Boy. He used to take me with him. I was that little kid. I would be in record companies when he was signed to Tommy Boy, getting posters and looking around. There wasn't many people wanting to do that my age. A lot of people either wanted to ride bikes or, you know, I like that stuff, but I enjoy that more, you know what I mean? So that's why I was always with the older dudes. Back then, they probably was like, yeah, he got this little kid. He only hangs with this little kid. Just, he always got that little kid with him, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, Prince Rakim's single performed poorly, resulting in him being dropped from his label and forced him back to the drawing board where he would soon form the Wu-Tang Clan. Shaheen was front and center, soaking up all of this. He went and, and he got punched in his face. He got a black eye. He got back on the ferry and said, I'm coming back with all 100 and 300 of us. Now what? And that's exactly what happened. Wu-Tang Killer. 
Rizza had gone back to Staten Island to craft something different. Something different than what the other New York boroughs were producing. When you think of New York, it's easy to misunderstand the layout and look at it as one big organism. But each place has its own style, history, and culture, even in hip-hop. Staten Island was often considered the lost borough because for much of its history, it was closed off from Manhattan, with the main mode of transit to and from the city being the Staten Island Ferry. It was... It was everything that all the other boroughs had. It was just isolated. You know what I mean? So a lot of people from Staten Island probably never left Staten Island. So it's that small town mentality that's there, you know what I'm saying? Which is great because it keeps you having your own special thing. But I was fortunate, I always left, you know what I'm saying? So just leaving Staten Island and getting on a ferry boat, that's not normal for regular people, right? To go to the city, we took ferries, you know what I mean? On a ferry, we had Artists performing, singers, dancers. The ferry is like a fucking uh, what's, what, love boat. But it's not the love boat, but it is the love boat. People are fucking making out, smoking weed in the 80s, big radios. It's a party just to go from Staten Island to Manhattan. So things, little things like that, that sets us apart, I think. While the RZA, Jizza, Ghostface Killer, Inspector Deck, You God, Method Man, Raekwon, Master Killer, and Old Dirty Bastard were recording demos, Shaheem, at 12 years old, was working on his own demos. On production, he had help from the RZA and RNS, who was buzzing because of his work with the first rap group out of Staten Island to find crossover success, the UMC. RNS would produce most of Shaheem's demos into his first album. Keep in mind, he's a kid. The notion of kids rapping wasn't necessarily new, but Shaheem wasn't coming with lyrics about school, girls, and the plight of a typical 13 or 14-year-old. The beats and lyrics sounded like they were written for an adult who had experienced all types of street activity. One example of this is the song Once for the Money. Once for the money, two's for the show, three is for your hooker, but we all say, my slang in my game burns up the concrete like every B in my kill. Don't sweat the technique, so you got beef. Run on, Sonny, go get your posse, cause I got a mossy, we all wear Harachi. Shaheem's style was definitely in line with his surroundings. He was gifted, passionate, and rugged. And as far as getting to the next level in hip-hop, he was a part of a rising tide that would get him to where he needed to be. Listen what I have at my hands, right? That what they blossomed into is RNS, right? RNS, he produced the UMCs, he produced uh, my album, uh, Grave Diggers, he tons of hits, and the RZA, right? These are the producers that I'm making demos with, and you know what I mean? And they was in the process of making connections and going to record labels and trying to get record deals and things like that. I wasn't doing that. My song happened to be on a tape with them. So as they in the meetings, they like, they thinking it's a girl. So they're like, who's the girl? And they're like, nah, that's my little man from my projects. And they're like, you got a picture of him? And now mind you, at the same time, you got ABC. Crisscross. The boys. They looking for the next big kid. The only problem is I was like, fuck you. Shit is real around my fucking neighborhood. People getting shot and they dying. And I hang with his grandchildren. That was my story. So a lot of it was trying to polish me up. And it was no way because I wasn't that kid. I would, I would be angry over that I can't 
say my words how I want to say it and stuff like that. He made it obvious that he was different from other kids rapping with lyrics referring to crisscross like... I'm not a Mac Daddy, nor am I Daddy Mac. Touch my knapsack, boy, you're getting pitch smacked. They wasn't a picture of me. Like, like, they didn't steal bikes. I didn't think they stole bikes. I didn't think they fucking... I didn't think they did that shit. I didn't think they rode on the back of bu buses. So I was just like, ah, they cool. I like jumping and shit. But that's not what we do. We used to take little uh, um, bust open tires and take the little uh, things and break glass with it. Like, I didn't think they was those kids. I didn't think they was rugged child. So as the process went on with Shaheen cutting demos, as his name was buzzing in the streets and in record label boardrooms, labels started making offers. Whatever the deal was gonna be, it was gonna go through RNS. And they already had one deal on the table from Virgin Records that opened the floodgates. Word travels, right? So what happened was they got the word that Virgin is signing this kid out of Staten Island that's the, the dopest in New York. So all the major labels started coming and just calling, yo, we, we offering this amount, we offering this and offering that and offering this. This whirlwind of activity is happening all around him and all he could do is sit and watch. Um, it was just a whole process, a bunch of lawyers caught and yelling. I remember yelling and now I knew what they was yelling about and the arguments was about. It was about that money. Eventually, in 1993, Shaheem signed to Virgin Records. And with that started the process of officially crafting his debut album, AKA The Rugged Child. And once he signed, things were different. Life changed. It was food in the house. The little things that we worried about wasn't an issue. Got my own, I had my own sneakers, had my own wardrobe, you know what I mean? Of course I went and bought a ring and a chain, we all do that. And my cousins, we were shopping, and I, I would say we got a record deal. I didn't get a record deal. Family, my friends, my projects, we was we on. From that point on, he was in the studio touching up the album, and with the label came a budget. With the budget came bigger and better studios. Oh yeah, oh I was recording quad battery studio, big big real 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 recording studio. Buster Rhymes, leading to the new school. Um, Tribe Called Quest, we used to always be in battery studios with me. I met Michael Jackson in the studio before. I was smoking a blunt, and then all of a sudden, the back door pops open. So I jump, I'm like, oh shit, who is this? Because all I seen was a guy, this is when he was wearing the mask, he had the kid, and it was the security. So I just startled, like, who the fuck is this? I said, oh shit, Mike. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, Shaheen Wu-Tang. He was like, oh, I love you guys' music. Right away, in there, yo, bro, Michael Jackson, right? They was like, get the fuck out of here, everybody. Yo, ran up in here, yo, Mike, taking pictures. And we got kicked out. They was like, oh, y'all going to the other building now. Shaheen was a kid from Staten Island recording an album for a major record label with the big budget for the record, music videos, and live shows. When we come back, Shaheen, a.k.a. The Rugged Child, Big Daddy Kane, and Shaheen takes his talent to Hollywood. Stay tuned. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com 
slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. So far, Shaheem has already made strides toward hip-hop notoriety when he was picked up by Virgin Records. Yeah, he was a kid, but he used his experiences in Staten Island to create hard, underground rap records. He was confident he knew what he was doing, and he had the Wu-Tang Clan around him as a bonus. And while he was going through the process of getting the deal done, he was introduced to one of the biggest hip-hop legends to ever do it, Big Daddy Kane. Check your neck came out. In the dark with the art to rip the charts apart, the vandal too hot to handle your bro. While I was going through the course process, I was hanging out with the clan, going to their shows and stuff like that. And that's how I met Big Daddy Kane through him. Once I met Big Daddy Kane, I started hanging out with Big Daddy Kane. He used to say, come hang out with me. I'm hanging out with Jay-Z. You know, so it's Biggie Smalls. And then one day, he found himself at Madison Square Garden. This is still the era where you couldn't just perform at Madison Square Garden. You had to be major. Big Daddy Kane major. This was 1993. Big Daddy Kane was still at the top of his game. And at this concert, he planned to showcase the future of hip-hop with a cypher on stage. Hey, Mr. C puts on a track, and it was up to Kane who who's going to rhyme. So Kane, perhaps knowing that this would be a legendary night, brings out the notorious B.I.G. Tupac Shakur. And Shaheem. Now I want to see what yeah. my man Shaheem going to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Big Daddy Kane, I looked up to him like, yo, that's what a rapper is. When I was putting on my wall and I was taping things on the wall, I was taping him up. And you know what? He's the same way. He, he, who he is for me and what he did for me, he did for Jay-Z. He did for a lot of people. And he could have kept it for himself. He could have went up there and just did his show and got his money and kept going. And we would have never heard that. So shortly after he made history on stage with Big Daddy Kane, Notorious B.I.G., and Tupac, Shaheem released his debut album, a.k.a. The Rugged Child, in spring 1994. 
The album lived up to the hype as he was buzzing from the album's first single, On and On. Nowadays, you got to walk the street and watch your back. Cause brothers with the gaps don't be knowing how to act. They always pull a clock when somebody rocks that knot. And if they get shot, they often snitch to the cops. He was now on top with shows booked, an album in stores, and a music video on Video Music Box. Enough. If I got a song and Video Music Box played it, that was it. I didn't really care if MTV or the radio. That was being a sellout anyway. That was pop to me anyway. As long as I made it to Video Music Box, I was certified MC. I remember even the clan looking at my budgets and looking at the video that I did going, holy shit, that's 40 grand right there. Imagine, look at Protect Your Neck and look at On and On. And that was the same time. That'll tell you who had the, I had the major deal. I had the major machine. And that machine was alluring. It promised hopes of immortality and fame money and shine. But Shaheem had been soaking up game and knew how the money was set up. Nah, because I understood that I was paying for this shit. Like, I understood that from the very beginning. Like, yo, you don't, don't, you know, my friends would do that shit and they would go home after that. Like, yo, bro, don't be ordering five things off the, like, you thinking these companies paying for it. They're not. I'm paying for it. So don't, don't get me wrong. I, a lot of it got blown too, but you learn. And as his notoriety grew, it was hard for him to maintain a normal life as a teenager. While I was doing it, people actually probably thought I was lying. Like, yeah, I'm going to the studio. Yeah, I'm making an album. Fuck wrong with this kid sitting there, you know? And then it happened, and then I couldn't go back to school. I remember going back to school from coming from the promotion tour, and everybody's running to the class door. Look, now mind you, I was just in school three months ago, walking by, and I was just too short for every girl in the school. I was cute, but I was 4'8", and I was just not the one to talk to. They was wanting all my friends, because all my friends is tall. So all of them be like, oh, he's cute, but he's just short. Nobody wanted the short one, right? And then I came back, and it was like, move out the way, you big, tall motherfucker. I gotta get next to him. And looking through the class, and they was like, he can't come to school no more. It's coming ahead of It didn't stop there. Big Daddy Kane came back and asked him to be on a track with him, Scoob Lover, Sauce Money, Jay-Z, and Wu-Tang Clan member Old Dirty Bastard called Show and Prove. The mic is time to show and prove. Yo, yo, so check me out as I flip this in track, kid, and make mad noise like a Metallica record. I'm psycho. I'm villain to the styles. I'll be killer when I'm flustered. And all competition gets dusted. Now, at this pinnacle moment in his life, Shaheem gets exposed to the world of acting. His first role, starring in the music video for TLC's Waterfall. The one thing I could would have done if I would have known that I would enjoy acting and that would be my career as well because I didn't foresee, foresee being an actor as well. Um, Warner Brothers had offered me a record deal along with a spot on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but the other record deal with Virgin was a production deal that would also give another artist of the production deal's choice a record deal after my album. So you know what happened. People did what was best for them. If it was in sight, what was best for me, it would have been a record deal with Warner Brothers and do the acting because I would be on my way to be an actor. And as he hit the studio again, he had to stick up for himself when it came to his creative expression. They still wanted him to make records for the radio. That's one thing I used to go through with the companies, of them trying to make me make those songs. And I'm like, I can't write those songs. It's not in my mind. 
and they would give me party beats and I'll start off trying to make a party. But at the end of the party, somebody getting shot and it's like, what the hell? This is a good song. Somebody, somebody got to get shot. I'm like, because people get shot at the parties I know about. Luckily though, he was able to step out of himself enough to take on a writing job for another child star. So they was like, oh, we're turning, they're turning a little girl from the Cosby show into a rapper, Raven Simone. She's charmed the entire Huxtable family on the Cosby show. Please welcome Raven Simone. So I said, damn, how the hell do I write? I got to curb this shit because this is from the Cosby show. So I write the first day of school. It was the first day of school. I had to dress to impress. Had my hair pushed back with a fly blue dress. Plus the brows on my feet. My coat and my book bag looking real good like Stina or Dad. Raven's the flavor. loved it. They said, okay, now you have to teach her it. I'm like, what? They said, she can't read. So I would help her with her rhymes and then they like, oh, well now you got, she doesn't feel comfortable doing it without you. So now I had to go on stage with her and rap it, be her, her hype man until she got comfortable. All of this was the ride of a lifetime as he had become very popular very fast. And that meant fans. Lots of fans. Sometimes it became overwhelming because it was like, it was literally like a thousand kids at the trailer knocking on it. It was bad for me at those times, you know what I'm saying? There was a bunch of screaming 14, 15 year old kids and they get mean. They don't want to go. They would stay all day in front of that trailer. And you sitting there, everybody pulling on your clothes. I was, I was one of them. Nonetheless, Shaheem would hit the studio again to record his 1996 release, The Lost Generation, along with three more studio albums. Along with his music career going places, he was also cast in several films, including The Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston, and Into Deep with LL Cool J and Omar F. Shaheem made his presence known in hip hop. With his brothers in the Wu-Tang Clan, he helped bring Staten Island to the forefront and add a unique perspective to the rap landscape in the 90s. I would like to believe that I set the stage for it to be like a mandatory thing to have a young kid in your down with the big crew. I think I opened the door for a lot of young rappers to be actors. They say this, right? They said, when shit is real and when your shit is real, you don't never gotta tell your story. People would tell it for you. Fresh Era is a Stupid Fly production, written and edited by me, Craig Smith, and made great by the phenomenal DJ Cheap Shot. Chris Barnett is our brother from another mother. Sean Berman is our mix engineer. Music by The Math Club. Production support from Pete Mitch. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. One of the best things you can do to support our show is to share with a friend. Hit us up on Instagram at Stupid Fly Media and at Fresh Era Podcast. And definitely drop by stupid-fly.com. As always, we'll see you on the next episode of Fresh Era.